Thank you for joining us on More Than That, a podcast where we dive a little bit deeper into what was preached on Sunday morning. We hope that this is enriching to your walk with Christ and that you love God and people that much more so that we can extend the glory of God to the people he has placed in our lives. So we'd buckle up and enjoy the conversation. Hey City Church, welcome back to More Than That. My name is Tyler Henry, and sitting across from me is Rafael Mkandla, and this was the second week in our series through the book of Nehemiah, and it was, th- this this sermon kind of encapsulated and walked us through uh, Nehemiah's initial prayer to God after finding out that his, that his home city, the, pe- the city of his people, um, was, was left open and um, it was destroyed. There was the wall was not no longer existent. The gate was um, no longer existent, and um, he was just mourning. So this this prayer that Nehemiah prays to God is um, really really in, impactful and, and insightful into um, a lot of the things that we are and how we are supposed to pray. Um, so. Like I said, I'm sitting across from Raphael, and um, if you had an extra 10 minutes or so, Raphael, um, what would you have said if you had um, a chance to dive a little bit deeper into something or introduce something new? I think uh, just uh, the the most important thing was, um, you know, uh, how at least I framed the whole sermon, which is really... Um, uh, getting to see a way in which we can be, uh, we can take time to, um, to to use scripture, scripture's method of prayer as our daily prayer. So uh, on Sunday, I don't know if you realize that I presented to you the Acts method of prayer, which is we've done that like and and I've used that personally. I've used it. Um, uh, we've used it also when we pray corporately. Um, but I wanted to show you, like, at least that that this is a method of prayer that uh, that we see at work in within the Bible, um, in within the Bible that really helps us now to be able to uh, to approach God. Sometimes when we say prayer, a lot of people don't know where to start. Um, so I would have spent a little bit more time just really. Uh, giving people, uh, hey, this is the way at least you can, if you want to learn how to pray, and of which I think I walked people through that. Um, but here, I want to really just emphasize that of saying acts, uh, which is adoration, confession, um, you know, thanksgiving, uh, and then and then and then supplication. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just to kind of walk through those words. Um, if you can try to make that as part of like you read scripture, you read scripture every single day as you read scripture, you ask yourself, what does this tell me uh, about the character of God? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really just like it just becomes as simple as that. Like, what does this tell me about the character of God? Write that down um, and then and then use that as as actually like. Uh, as as the very things to be able to take before God 
and 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 just really just like adore God with that. Um, and and I've done that a lot of times, like where, for example, um, I was reading Matthew chapter eight, verse thirty-one to thirty-eight, um, and just really just kind of saying like. What's what's something that's like to do about God here? Uh, God, you kept your promise and, uh, you know, and sent Jesus the Messiah. Uh, your ways are higher. Like and just really just kind of writing those things down that are like, OK, what what is it here that I see that reveals God's character? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. and when you have done that, um, you write that down. And then you go even further to say, okay, what does this, um, what is the sin to confess here? Um, and some of that sin might not be, might not be things that like, uh, um, they, they might not be things that, that are just like really like, um, um, what I would say, they're not, they are not, um, it's as I'm reading this, what did I, what, what is it that, um, reminded me, ah, I do that. Oh man, that's just me. Um, that's how I sin. What confess and then really take some time to confess your sinfulness and acknowledge your sins. That's really like, and, and, and so first adoration, adore and praise God for his attributes and his actions. The second thing is actually really confessing your sinfulness uh, and acknowledging your sins. Um, confess how you are prone to get drawn to some of the things, uh, some of the things. And so there's just sometimes like as you are doing that, uh, you really just start really going into, okay, um, you know, this is how I often uh, do this. Like, um, like, so for example, you know, I was reading Numbers 6 uh, and, and really just like confessing that like, uh, and you're seeing God's people uh, and they've rebelled. And then confessing that like, God, I also sometimes rebel against you. Um, you know, I don't see fear or um, I don't see fear and laugh at uh, those who trust. Like, like basically as in like, I, I don't see fear and love for those who trust at, in your abundance, uh, you know, like, and just really kind of going into my own heart. Um, you know, this is what happens when I don't set you before me. I do the unthinkable or like, and just kind of like, it might be just small things or it might just be big things, but just confessing your sinfulness before God, uh, that's just very important. Uh, and then after that, uh, the Thanksgiving part, um, which is really like, uh, thank God, thank Jesus for his salvation and past, present and future. Kind of like, so you can be really just go before God, thanking him for what he has done. Uh, thanking him for, uh, for the things that at least like past, present and future, um, that you're looking at. So if I had confessed that, like, I'm prone to rebel if I confess maybe the sin of hatred and all that, that's actually now like where I go and I say, God, 
but this is what you died for. This is what, mm -hmm. and I begin to be thankful that at least I have someone to come to, to talk about that. And then, uh, and then supplication wise, that's when ask maybe the, uh, what I would say, ask the Holy Spirit to transform you in or transform your situations in many, in many ways. So, uh, with that said, like when you're looking at the sermon, uh, we said prayer looks up to God in dependence. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just like where I, where Nehemiah goes and he adores God. He says, calls him an awe-inspiring God. He calls him a holy God, he calls him a compassionate God. He calls him all those things. Um, and then after that, um, uh, and he calls him a God who sees and who hears after that, he looks inward in confession. He basically like, uh, like he uses those things. Whatever God is in you, in his attributes, a lot of times exposes what we are in our sinfulness. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Like it's, if God is holy, are you holy? Okay, obviously then you write down like, what are the ways that I'm not holy? Uh, that I feel like I have maybe contributed to, uh, I, I know that like I'm not as clean in front of him. Mm -hmm. um yeah and then and then obviously like thanksgiving you see nehemiah going before god he talks about what god has said and what god has done uh and then the last thing he says god would you give me success before this man uh because he's a cupbearer so with that said i have started to see even the acts prayer method as a way in which uh you can engage the trinity on your everyday life um, as, as the beautiful part about it is, is just looking and thinking about, um, I'm adoring God for his attributes, uh, and his actions. I'm involved in this dance with the Trinity. I confess my own sinfulness and the ways that I prompt, I'm prone to wonder, but then I'm thankful. I'm thankful for how God acted in what, in the past, but I'm thankful mostly for what's really like. What, what makes me a Christian, past, present, and future, all the promises of God that where he has said yes and amen, I said yes and amen in Jesus. So I can go thankful to Jesus, thankful to Jesus, and then, and then also then I can begin to ask the Spirit to transform me or to transform the situations around me in particular ways. So, so that's actually like, if you really look at the Acts prayer method, uh, you get to see like, it clears the confusion of like, how do I involve the Trinity in my everyday spirituality? How do I involve like, cause some people usually get confused, mm -hmm. but the beauty of that is even the last quote that I I used uh, Charles Spurgeon, where he said, God, the Holy ghost writes our prayers. He prompts us. He calls us the spirit in us calls what God, our father. He prompts us towards prayer. But we come to those prayers and then we come to the scripture. The spirit opens up our eyes to this is who God is. And then opens up our eyes as in like, this is who you are in light of who God is uh, and mind the gap. And then so you are so aware of the gap there of like, I know I'm called to be a Christian, but like, man, I am screwing this thing up. You see what <laughs> I mean? 
And then he says, mind the gap. And then the spirit points you to Jesus and says, that's where your help comes from. And then you have this relief that that actually ends in Thanksgiving. Thank you that you died for my past, present and future sins. You died for the penalty of my sins. You are, you are actually freeing me from the power of my sin. And then you are going to actually like even in the future, you are going to obliterate, obliterate my sin, right? That's past, present, and future. There's a thankfulness that's there. But then now in supplication, you begin to say, Jesus, would you intervene in this very situation? And the Spirit, and or even asking the Spirit, and would you, through your work of the Spirit, who is now in within me, transform me in ways? Would you make me patient? Mm-hmm. Would you make me to be able to wait? Would you make me to do these things? And so I love that whole kind of like quote where he says, the Holy Ghost writes our prayers, writes our prayers. He prays through us through God groanings and, um, and sometimes even things that we, sometimes where we, we have no words. And, but God the Son presents our prayers before God and God the Father accepts our prayers. Uh, and with the, with the Holy Trinity, to help us in it, what can prayer not perform? That's that's Charles Spurgeon. Mm. So for me, like, I don't know if you had ever seen it that way, but like I take it as a way in which now I can be able to engage with the Trinity on a day, on a daily basis, and delight in in the whole of the Godhead uh, of just like in my prayers that way. So yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's really just like my main thing that I wanted to at least just kind of spend a little bit more time and just maybe showing how can you practically how can you practically then <coughs> read scripture like just create four columns read scripture and then as you're reading scripture find the things that like what does it say about God what does it reveal about his character his attributes his actions God does this 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 and that and then when you're done with that, and then take that mirror, turn it, like look in the mirror and say, in light of these things that I'm seeing here, what is this scripture convicting me of? You write those things. Those are things to confess. And then you write even the things that like, man, what are some of the, the gospel like promises that are ringing as a result of what you've just realized you're not and God is? Um, and what what how does jesus bridge that gap and then write those things down to be thankful to jesus for and then as a result what are some of the things as you get up from there if you could bring requests to god as a result of what you've read what do you want how do you want him to transform uh the spirit to transform you okay write those things down Mm -hmm. and then so that's like your bible reading time and then when you're done with that Man, spend at least 15 to 20 minutes or 10 minutes just going before God and saying, God, I adore you. This is what, you see what I mean? And then like just saying, God, I'm confessing this. These are my sins. And then after that, I'm so thankful for Jesus. This is why I'm thankful. And then Holy Spirit, would you help me this way? Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, 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 know, you brought in time, like a time frame there at the very end like 10 15 minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes whatever it might be yeah um as as you're thinking about you know using the axe method yeah um 
And just like you're just like anything else, like you and I both go to the gym. We love going to the gym, but yeah. like when you first go to the gym, kind of think drawing a parallel here with the duration mm-hmm. that you're able to work out as as like prayer is kind of like a spiritual workout. Um but just because you're new to it, don't expect yourself to be able to go twenty minutes. Like if quite literally all you're doing is you're just you you start just quite literally reading off what you wrote down. Yeah. And it takes you two minutes, that's okay. Yep. <laughs> that is perfectly is. fine. Yeah. Yeah. There is no time limit to what an effective prayer looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, um I brought it we were talking last night at home group um about prayer. Um and <clears throat> we were just super thankful for the emphasis that for the last month and a half or so that we've been in in twenty twenty four, um just the emphasis on prayer that we have that we've had. Um but we were saying, and I brought up the the passage of the tax collector, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee as yeah. they're praying. And you have the Pharisee making this big old spectacle, like as they typically did back then in the first century. And, you know, how look at me. I'm I'm thankful I'm not like this tax collector. Um, I'm thankful that I'm righteous, which is the exact opposite of what we see with the Acts method in Nehemiah, but also with this tax collector. He's it's like a short, sweet, and to the point. Lord, help me a sinner. Like it's that strangely, in its own way, encapsulated all of the acts yeah. method yeah. of prayer just in that short sentence. So like don't think that um you have to spend twenty minutes in prayer. Like you'll you'll get there. Um but yeah it it doesn't time don't don't think about it as a time frame necessarily at this point. Just just make sure that you are praying according to scripture and how we are supposed to pray. Um so one of the things that I noticed as as I was reading things and and, and reading this passage was um, that Nehemiah's prayer isn't um, isn't some woo woo type of spirituality type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he in the middle of his prayer in verses seven and eight, mm-hmm. Nehemiah recounts history. Yeah. Which I think is really cool because yeah, it's like yeah. Nehemiah's faith wasn't um wasn't rooted in purely spiritual things. There's this active presence within the realm of human history or the, just the side of human history that that God's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is really really cool. Um so do if maybe maybe you don't have anything about this, but like what what was this the actual context there that Nehemiah was remembering? Um, if if like I said, if you even know off the top of your head, because he he mentions Moses, he, um, the commands, the statutes, and the ordinances that you gave your servant Moses. Um, please remember that you what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful. I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. Do you remember? Because we just went through Exodus. um, Do you remember exactly what the context was there so that we can understand where Nehemiah was at? Yeah, 
Yeah, he is actually remembering. Um, actually had it down here. Uh, he is actually remembering. There's two actually two things. Um, yeah, there's there's a, a pretty abrupt break there. Yeah, there's two things that he's remembering. The first thing that he's remembering is is God's statement to actually to Moses, mm-hmm. and the second statement is actually to Solomon uh, at the dedication of the temple. Okay, okay. So there's two instances. Uh, the first one is Leviticus chapter twenty six verse thirty three. Uh, listen to this, like thirty three, uh, where God is actually looking at them and he's saying. Um, um, so starting verse 20, like basically like in 33, after he's talked about like, you know, their rebellion and all that stuff in verse 33, he says, but I will scatter you amongst the nation and I will draw a sword, uh, to chase after you and your land will become desolate and your cities will become ruins. Uh, then the land will make what will will make up for its Sabbath years during the time it lies desolate. And while you are in the land of your enemies, at that time the land will rest and make up for the Sabbaths, um, for its Sabbaths. Uh, as long as it lies desolate, it will be, it will have the rest, uh, the rest in it, um, not have during your Sabbaths. And then he says, um, but he says this in 36, I will put anxiety uh, in the hearts of those who will survive and the lands of their enemies, the sound of the wind uh, driven leaf will be put will put them to flight and they will flee as one flies from the sword and they will stumble uh, over one another and fleeing and yada yada. And then it's just kind of as he keeps on going there, uh, when you finally like um, go to verse 40, but when they confess their iniquity, Cause he really just kind of goes everything he's saying he's going to do is that like, they just really, really is driving uh, them. Those who survive in the lands of your enemies will waste away because of their iniquity. This is Israel in it. It's rebellion. That rebellion he had confessed in, in, in the earlier vo- verses. Uh, and he says they will also waste away because of their ancestors iniquity along, along with theirs. But, when they confess their iniquity, that's actually what he is confessing, he's looking at, and the iniquity of their ancestors, and he does exactly the same. He says, I have sinned, and our fathers have sinned, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, when they confess their unfaithfulness, that they practice against me, how they acted in hostility towards me, and I acted with hostility towards them, and brought them into the land of their enemies, and, and when their uncircumcised hearts were humbled, and, and they will make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I also remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land, um, for the land abandoned by them will make up for its Sabbaths. And then he says this, he says, I will not reject or abhor them uh, as, as, as to destroy them and break the covenant with them. I am the Lord. And for their sake, I will remember the covenant uh, that, that I made with the ancestors uh, whom I brought out of the, 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 the land. And basically he's saying that he's now going to gather them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then Second Chronicles chapter chapter six is is when um um is when 
is when the dedication of the temple is. Mm-hmm. Um, is the, this is this the first temple? Yeah, the the first, okay. the first, the yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure like I'm this, getting my timeline right. This is like Solomon's temple. This is like the 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 most amazing one. Um, and so if you go there, uh, it says when they sin against you, um, for they there is no one who does not sin. Uh, and you are angry with them and hand them over to the enemies and their captors deport them to a distant near uh, di- or nearby country. And when they come to their senses in the land uh, where they were deported and repent of the petition of their captors and say we have sinned and done wrong and we have been wicked. And when they return to you with all their mind, all their heart and uh, and in the land of captivity where they are captive and when they pray to the direction of their land uh, that you gave to their ancestors and the cities that you've chosen, um, you know, may you hear their prayers or petition, um, you know, in heaven from your dwelling place, which is why he says God of heaven and uphold their cause. May you forgive all they have sinned against you um, and really just like, and he says, may you forgive them and obviously bring them back. So. That's what he's doing, recalling history. Uh, he's recalling what God had promised to Moses and what God had actually, like, to what Solomon's prayer was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I want to make a, it's, it was kind of a little snippet that was embedded in that Leviticus yeah, passage yeah. Um, uh-huh. that, you know, we, we tend to think so much. Um, or get confronted with this idea that um, God's not really good. That you know why why pray to why pray to God the way that Nehemiah did if He's not actually good. Yeah. Um, where and this is where like it, that that passage I can't remember exactly the verse, um, but it says those that survive are those that remain. However, it was worded there um, of the the people that the Israelites conquered. Yeah. So whenever we hear the words destroyed, the words um, obliterate, whatever, whatever language that's being used <laughs> in, yeah. in the, uh, in the old Testament, especially in that time period, we need to remember that as we're reading it, we need to not read it as we would think about the word obliterate. Um, actually, I think probably one of the better ways to think about it is regarding sports. Um, so we just had a really, really big game on this past uh, uh, Sunday. <clears throat> Fortunately, it wasn't a blowout. Um, it was a very, very good game. But if if it was a blowout and we we said that the the Chiefs destroyed the Niners, yeah, that doesn't mean that the Niners no longer exist. It's just yeah. they lost the battle. They lost the game. And that's just a, a hyperbole that we use, an, an, exaggeration, an exaggerated way of talking about um, victory because it's, there's, there's nothing left that this team or this army or whatever has to give. There's, yeah. they, have, they surrendered, basically. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure that as we're, you know, as we're wrestling with not just biblical passages, but cultural, um, cultural questions and objections to Christianity, especially the Old Testament, that yeah. you know, we're keeping those type of things in mind that we're interpreting and reading things as 
if we are in Nehemiah's time and yeah. in Moses' time. Um, but one of the other things that you brought up is sins of omission and sins of commission. Yeah. Um, could you remind us what the difference is there? Because usually we think of, whenever we think of sin, it is something that we do. Yeah. So what what are sins of, we'll start with sins of commission. What are sins of commission? Yeah, so when you're looking at sin, um, the way at least like uh, I would say uh, is is just like really um, there are sins we are aware uh, of. Um, you know, um, there are sins that we are aware of and there are sins that we, like like so for example like um you know so sins of omission are those which we knew we should have done something uh good but then we refused like it's just like we we just omitted it mm-hmm. like it's just that we omitted it it's like the things that we have left undone like and it's just one of those things where it's like you're like ah oh, man uh, I'm just not going to do it. I know I should have done it. And and a lot of times it's just that that's usually sins of omission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sins of commission uh, are sins that we take action to commit, um, and which is like, and then so we, whether in thought, word, or deed. And so there's those sins of commission, like they can be intentional or unintentional, um, but like it, it's just at the end of the day, that's just something that we go ahead and we do. Um, and a lot of times, like when you're seeing sin, we always kind of relegate it more on the commission side of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that. Whether I was deceived by the enemy, whether it's like, but then sins of omission are just the whole idea of like, I see you, Tyler. And like, let's say, for example, I see you, uh, you're really suffering and I've got the means to actually do what I've got a, the means to actually meet your need. But then I'm just like, man, somebody else will do that. Like yeah. the whole story of this good Samaritan, mm-hmm. oh, all yeah, the yeah. other guys <laughs> that just passes that pass this wounded man and on the ground, like who's sleeping, or who's dying, who looks like he's dying, but they're way too busy and they're way too, uh, a lot of times, like, we look at those things and then we think, yeah, but I didn't do anything. But then there's some parts of it where it's like, yeah, you did have some type of, you knew you could do something about it, but then you 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 left it. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where James, at least James 4, um, 4, 7, and I use that, uh, whosoever knows the right thing, um, the one who knows uh, basically, whosoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. Mm-hmm. It's like, and within James, it's actually really talking more about, um, you know, it's just talking about like, okay, like the needs or the the things that you're seeing around you. Uh, you know, James is going to be faith without works is dead. Well, he, of, he's a very practical. Um, it's a very practical. Yeah. Um, book. Cause like right right after that, I think four seventeen four James four seventeen says, "Whosoever knows the right to do and doesn't do it," and then he says, "Come now, reach 
um, you reach like, and it says now you reach people weep and wail because the misery of that's coming to you. But what misery is it is like, basically he is talking about like the fact that like, Hey, um, you have put so much, so much, uh, of your identity in your wealth. Uh, but what about those who are poor, those who are suffering that you just look at and you just <clears throat> don't even care about, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's a, yeah. So that's sins of omission and commission. Mm -hmm. We are a lot more mindful of the commission ones, but the ones like, and that's why I read that Anglican prayer, forgive us for the things that we have done and things that we have left undone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The way that uh, to kind of, you know, my one of my, like my favorite section of the Bible is the first three chapters. Um, yeah. But I think Adam and Eve are, are kind of a po like poster children of sins of omission and sin sins of commission, where Eve was the one committing the sin. And yeah. then Adam, what what does God ask Adam? Where yeah. were you? Mm -hmm. That was a sin of omission. He yeah. knew the Adam That's knew good. the right thing. Yeah. yeah. And yet he didn't do it. So in the beginning where we sin and where yeah, human yeah, sin entered so the good. world, yeah, yeah. we yeah. have both sins of omission and sins of commission. Hmm. Um That's good. So whenever we think about, you know, you know as as a husband and I see my wife doing something that I know is sinful and yeah. I don't call her into accountability. That is a sin of omission on my part, mm -hmm. but at, mm. yet at the same time she's sinning. So in the, regardless of where, where you're standing, both, both are sinning. Yeah. Um, so just that's, like, that's, yeah, someone said, someone said that what Adam should have done was declare God's word. Like, yeah. like if he's seeing like that's the the first eisegesis in the Bible, <laughs> putting meaning that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that eisegesis is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah I'm saying the first <laughs> eisegesis in the Bible, which means putting meaning into the words of God instead of actually reciting exactly <laughs> what. Instead of actually letting the meaning of the text come out of what? Yeah. The word. Yeah. That's the definition. Yeah. So the first eisegesis was was literally like, did God say, oh, no, he said this. And then all of a sudden she modifies a few things. Mm -hmm. uh, what Adam did, what he omitted to do, the right thing he should have done was actually just then obviously like correct what was said. Or the right thing he could have done. Yeah, yeah. He, he should have actually been the one who's saying, no, this is what the word of God mm -hmm. said. But for him, he goes and he eats. To right. quote the second Adam, he should have said what he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or uh, he should have said it is written or yeah. God really said what he said. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah that, that's that's good. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah and it's. I will probably tie as much as we can back to the first three chapters. Uh, yeah. But you know, that's just, that's just me. Um, but yeah, like, and that, that pulls out a really good point also uh, to kind of pull in some practical things as we are um, reading scripture. Um, just because something like you just said, like eisegesis, that is the first eisegesis in the Bible. Yeah. Inserting meaning into 
what is what is written in the Bible, just because the Bible is describing something like eisegesis doesn't mean that it is okay for us to do so. Yeah. Um, that would be the difference between description, actually just kind of describing kind of what's going on versus prescribing and saying like, hey, this is what you should be doing. Um, and that's just a really good thing to always be uh, thinking about whenever you are reading scripture is, is this describing or is it prescribing? Yeah. And the, sometimes it's going to be both. Yeah. And this, and this uh, passage, this prayer was a good example of both. Yeah, yeah. Where it's describing where Nehemiah was in terms of his relationship with uh, Israel and, and Jerusalem as well as God, but it's also prescriptive in that, um, with, I mean, granted with the, like all you would have to do is kind of sub out Israelites and you could, you could literally pray this after you're done listening. Yeah. Like, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to be unbiblical or anything. Like it's almost as if it, you could like copy and paste it into the book of common prayer. Yeah. Like it still fits. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there are a couple more things that I could go into, um, but that would take us way, way too far into the weeds and into the nuances of theology that it's just, it, it would take us too far out of the passage and yeah. take the emphasis off of prayer. Um, and um, with that, I just want to remind you all that there is... Um, this, that this is not a, a replacement for the Sunday sermon or being in church on a Sunday morning. We want to encourage you to listen to the sermon, to get into a local church that is healthy, that preaches the gospel, and is faithful to Scripture. Um, and be, because of that, this is a supplement to that. We, we want to see... Um, this be used to enrich you throughout the week rather than to be your launching point. Um, yeah. So with, um, with that being said, Raphael, thank you for the discussion. Thank you for um, preaching on Sunday and unpacking this prayer. And we will see you all next week. God bless you next week.